0: You are listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning, West Wind Church. It's great to be gathered together with you this morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing our sermon series through the book of Luke, uh, and then next week, Pastor Keith will be doing a, a Christ, beginning a Christmas series. So, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and we'll be looking at just three verses this morning. Luke 18 verses 15 uh, through 17. All right, and as you're turning there, I want to begin this morning with a story, a story about a young man who had been a believer just for a couple of years and had gone off to Bible college and was beginning to learn about God's Word more and more, was becoming excited to teach God's Word, and he was going to go back that summer to his home church and be involved in a missions conference get a chance to go back. His heart had been growing for a desire to see the gospel go to the nations. And so he was excited to go back and and teach from God's word, encourage this church and congregation uh, toward the mission of God. And uh, he got an email from the the senior pastor of that church saying, uh, you know, we're excited to have you come, be a part of this. Uh, What we're hoping you can do is come and teach the children. Uh, Come to the children's ministry and encourage them In missions to stir their heart. And uh, this young man uh, actually became uh, a little bit frustrated, discouraged, uh, felt like, you know, I was so excited to come preach to this congregation and stir up this church, and I have to go teach the little children about missions and what kind of impact will that have. And uh, you might have figured it out already that that person was me. Uh, That was to my own shame, my heart. Uh, feeling like that was the less significant thing to do. And what we're going to see in our passage this morning is that's exactly how the disciples felt toward these little children coming to Jesus. Uh, A number of parents were bringing their children to Christ, and and the disciples were frustrated with it. Uh, So look with me in in verses uh, 15 and 16. It says they were bringing even infants to him. That's to Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. So strong language. Parents are bringing children. Luke tells us these are infants, and uh, the disciples are rebuking the parents. I mean, can you imagine uh, some children's ministry on Sunday, and you know the the pastors are rebuking the parents? Don't bother us with these children. This morning, this is what the disciples are doing. In verse 16, but Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So, again, here's, here's the picture, right? We have Jesus has been going around ministering, uh, healing the sick, touching those in need. And so these parents are coming, bringing their children, eager for them to meet Jesus, this Messiah who's come to bring the kingdom. And what happens, uh, they're coming because they want Jesus to touch them. And we know from Matthew and from Mark, the other gospel parallel accounts, they're wanting the blessing of Christ to be on these kids. Uh, They're wanting his healing touch and his loving care to be extended to them. And again, we see the disciples uh, rebuking the parents. And if you're like me, as you're reading through this, you're you're probably thinking, why are the disciples doing this? Why are they rebuking the parents? Why haven't they caught the message yet that uh, Jesus has taught that children are actually very significant to him? He's said this many times. And uh, I think it's because in that cultural context, uh, children were often viewed as insignificant, right? They're often viewed as uh, put them kind of behind the scenes and the important people, the prominent people will gather together. And, and maybe we think about the disciples. They've, they've been with Jesus. They've seen his ministry. They've been hearing his, uh, his promises that he's going to come and bring a kingdom and so they're thinking, you know, don't bother the master. Don't bother Jesus. He's, he's the king. Uh, he's the Messiah. We don't need little children coming around him and bothering him. And yet we see Jesus' heart here uh, toward little kids. It's a beautiful picture of, of his heart. God made flesh face-to-face welcoming these little ones. And here he says... Uh, to, you know, he, he corrects the disciples and says, let them come to me. Uh, in the other parallel accounts again, uh, it actually says that Jesus became indignant. He became angry that the disciples would have this kind of mindset, this kind of attitude. And he, he in, in a sense, turns and rebukes them and says, no, little children, uh, come to me. Uh, even infants, come to me. I have time for you, you're you're valued highly in my kingdom. Now if you remember uh, the context we've been reading about in Luke 17 and 18, Jesus has been talking about who will enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, He has come to bring a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom where he will rule as king, and he's saying who will enter. Uh, We looked a few weeks ago about the fact that uh, there was this persistent widow who prayed day and night. She had faith. And so now you have this widow Jesus is highlighting will enter the kingdom. Uh, before that, we looked at the fact that there was a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee are, was the most religious person at that time, but the tax collector was the most despised, the outcast, uh, you know, viewed as a traitor by the rest of the culture. And Jesus says in that Uh, parable that the tax collector will enter the kingdom. And now here we have children. And so do you see what Jesus is doing? Uh, One commentator calls this the great reversal, that the least will be first. Uh, The last will be first. The least will be the greatest in the kingdom. Those that you think are insignificant and don't belong are the ones that Christ came and spent his time with, and invited into the kingdom. And Jesus, in effect, here is telling the disciples, and he tells us by way uh, not to hinder children from coming to him. And so I want us to think more about what does it mean to actually receive the kingdom as a child. Uh, But before we do that, I want us to spend a few moments thinking How do we, in our own context, how do we today uh, hinder children from coming to Jesus? And so one of the first things I think we can learn from this passage is that children need to come to Jesus to receive the kingdom, right? So one of the ways we can hinder children is by thinking that they don't need to hear the gospel and repent and believe, uh, when, when we lived in Nepal, uh, it's a country that the gospel has, has only been for the last 50 or 60 years, and so there's still several first-generation Christians alive, uh, people that had heard the gospel for the first time in that country, and, and as I've traveled out to villages and met second- and third-generation uh, children of those first-generation believers, sometimes you'll you know, I'll ask them, uh, so tell me your testimony. Do you, do you know the gospel? When did you become a Christian? And a lot of times I'll uh, get a response like something like, you know, well, I, I was born a Christian. Uh, I've always been a Christian because my parents were Christians. And so I grew up in a Christian home. And there's just this cultural mindset that if you're born into a certain religious family, that's your religion. Uh, but the reality is, is that children, just as much as adults, right, are, are in their sin and they need to hear the gospel and be brought to a saving relationship through faith and repentance in Christ. And, and so I want to encourage you at West Wind Church as you're uh, engaged, maybe some of you are engaged in children's ministry here. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we're preaching the gospel, that we're evangelizing our own children. There's a, a great mission field here at Westwind among the children, a great opportunity to, to be like Christ and invite children to come, uh, to be intentional. Maybe you're single and, and you don't have kids or, or your kids are grown and gone. Uh, this is a great opportunity to be intentional in your community groups as you're teaching in children's ministry, uh, to engage children, uh, to, not, to not view them as just kind of off on their own, doing their own thing, but really to come alongside them and ask, you know, provoking questions, to draw their hearts out, uh, to hear about where they're at in their relationship with God. Uh, the other thing I want us to think about this morning, and, and we've already touched on it with this Advent uh, series coming up, but you know that more people come to faith in Christ as children than any other time, Uh, any other time. So if you ask the majority of Christians in the world, when did you become a believer? The majority will say uh, before the age of 12, is when I met Jesus, I began to follow him, and I've continued to follow him. And and they'll also say the majority of children that come to faith is through the influence of parents or a family member, a, a grandparent, Uh, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle. Uh, The majority of people come to faith as children, and that through parents or a family member. And so children, uh, we have a great opportunity as parents, as family members, to speak the gospel into our children's lives, to be intentional. And and a couple of ways I think we can do that most effectively. Uh, these, These are really just the ordinary means of grace that seems so ordinary, they seem so insignificant, uh, but these are the things that God uses to, to bring eternal life to a person, to transform them and bring them into relationship with Him. And the first is simply just coming to church regularly, right? Bringing your kids, making a commitment uh, to be here week after week, month after month, year after year. And you'll be amazed over the years as your children come to church and they, again, engage with other believers. They see the worshiping community of God's people. Uh, They hear his word in children's ministry or hear in the the larger gathered congregation. Uh, This is the means that God uses to transform people's lives for eternity. Uh, The second is in your own home. I want to encourage you, if you... Uh, currently don't have a habit of family worship, of of regularly opening God's Word and spending time together in prayer and and worship, Uh, this is one of the most amazing opportunities we have to not hinder children from coming to Jesus, but rather fostering that, encouraging them, bringing them to Christ and saying, look and see who He is, hear His heart for you. Um, there's, there's a beautiful passage in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 I want to read for us. This is a passage that uh, God has just given his law to the Old Testament people. And he's saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to bring you into the land, and here's how I want you uh, to use my word. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 6. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so this beautiful commandment, uh, this passage that, that God gives to his people it's really a charge in particular to, to parents, uh, to fathers we see have a particular role, uh, to be leading their family, bringing their little children to Jesus and saying, uh, do you know his heart for you? Do you know what he's come to do? And just notice this passage in Deuteronomy, it's, it's not just about a specific time, right? But it's, it's as you're washing dishes, as you're doing laundry, as you're vacuuming, as you're going to get groceries, uh, as you're going along the way, be sharing about the truth of who God is. Uh, Be bringing them to Jesus and don't hinder them uh, by kind of compartmentalizing your life. Church is on Sunday, but then we don't talk about God rest of the week. Right, so I wanna encourage and challenge you to, to be speaking the truth of God's word as you go along the way. But then also make intentional times, times of family worship. This is something, uh, by God's grace, we've been doing for a number of years, and it's just been such a joy to see our kids catching truths. Uh, When when they're really young, it's helpful to start with narrative, you know, stories and and read through books that are telling stories. And uh, there's been times where we've even acted that out, so I'll never forget the time we uh, did the story of Lazarus and, and wrapped our kids up in toilet paper and one got to be Jesus, one was Lazarus and you know, they came out of the grave. And that was just a, a wonderful time to think about that truth that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Uh, you can be creative and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, a couple of books I want to recommend. A couple of books here. So one is called Family Worship by Donald Whitney. Really short book. Uh, The Cliff Notes here, he essentially says, just take time to read the word, uh, to sing a worship song, and to pray. And so again, as you finish a meal after dinner, maybe you just open your Bible while you're all at the table. And you take five minutes to to read a passage, talk about it, and to pray. Uh, I wanna encourage you again, as we're entering into this Advent time, this is a wonderful time. If you don't have a habit of this as a family to jumpstart this, uh, to use this Advent guide and as a church to go through this as a family, uh, again, maybe it's two, three, four nights a week, but this is a time where you're just bringing children to Jesus, uh, where you're not hindering them by just neglecting this spiritual discipline and act of worship. Um, So these are wonderful ways. I I love how one author puts it. He says, doing family worship like this, right? We can't save our kids. We can't cause them to come into a saving relationship. But it's like putting kindling on a fire, right? When When you make a fire, you put the kindling on and you build it. You need the fire. You need the flame to come to bring that fire into life and so when we're doing family worship or speaking the truth and the word to our children it's like we're putting kindling on that fire and then just praying god would you pour out your spirit in my kid's heart Uh, would you ignite those flames so that they come to know you and have a relationship with you at a young age Um, so i want to encourage all of us to just continue in this this advent season Uh, Jesus says, don't hinder children from coming to me, but rather welcome them. And then the second thing we see he, he says is that we must become like children. So don't hinder them on the one hand, but rather become like them. Become like them. We see this in verse 17, back in Luke chapter 18. Jesus says, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And so I want us to spend the rest of our time thinking about what does it mean to receive the kingdom like a child? Uh, What does it mean to be like a child and, and enter the kingdom in that way? In other words, how do we not act as grown-ups, spiritually speaking, right? How do we act our age uh, when it comes in relationship to God? And I think I just want to focus on two challenges, uh, two two hindrances, really, to us acting our age, to us uh, being like children. And the first one is moralism, the first challenge to entering God's kingdom, receiving it, and being like a child is is something called moralism, or we might call it religion. And really, we see that in our our context here. Uh, I mentioned the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and if you look back at verses 9 to 14, I want to read through that again, because this really sets up the stage of what it means to be like a child. And so in verse 9, Jesus says he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. And so, this is really the context here. Uh, Jesus has just told this parable about somebody, uh, you know, putting himself forward, of trusting and relying on himself. Uh, Really, this Pharisee we see, uh, he was somebody who believed in truth, right, the truth and and following the rules, but he didn't understand grace and mercy. Uh, He talks about his own performance, his own achievements, and this is how he viewed, this is how I get right with God. I do it through my own efforts, my own religious activity, uh, really through legalism, through saying, if I do these things, then God will be pleased with me. He'll be happier with me. Uh, today, we don't go around dressed as Pharisees, right? At least I don't see any wearing the robes and the, and the you know, phylacteries hanging from their head and standing and calling attention to ourselves, but the reality is, is that our hearts can often be like this Pharisee. You see, if if you rely in your relationship with God on your own achievement, your own performance, uh, maybe you know, it's I don't drink, I don't smoke, or I've got this good job and I've worked really hard, and I help these people over here. And I've got everything in order. My kids go to a great school. I've got my mortgage taken care of. I've got things in place. I've got, I'm moving up the ladder of success. And because of that, you're feeling like you've got things together, that you're, your life is going well, or, or maybe it's, you know, I come to church. I do family worship. I do all those things you're talking about already. And, and that leads you to feeling puffed up. Whenever we rely on our own achievements or performance, uh, we're being like this Pharisee. Whenever we find our worth and our identity before God on what we've done, what we've contributed, we're being like this Pharisee. And, and Jesus tells this story to say, don't be like that. Be like a tax collector who does what? He, he brings nothing to the table, you know, I used to think that this, this uh, story of Jesus talking about the children was really to highlight childlike faith. Uh, and maybe there's some truth in there, but I think what Jesus is really saying is you need to be dependent and, and come and recognize your age before God, right? What are, what are children like? Uh, when, when we think about Jesus has become like children, uh, I remember, I'll never forget, when I brought my, my first uh, child home from the hospital. I'm sure all of you can remember that moment where you have your kid in the back of the car and, and you're bringing them home and you're just thinking, what have I got myself into here? You know, there's no instruction manual, there's no uh, understanding of how am I going to care for this living creature, and, and, and a child is just so helpless and needy and dependent, uh, I think I've got a picture of my, my kids here, just a great opportunity for me to share uh, with you a picture of them, but you remember the first uh, years, the first months of their life is just one of utter uh, helplessness, right? They need to be clothed, fed, bathed, every single thing that they need for sustenance in life, you have to provide for them. You have to do it. And I think this is what Jesus is saying here, is if we want to receive the kingdom and enter it, we need to be like that tax collector. We need to be like children who just come in humble dependence on God's mercy and his grace. Uh, to not come trusting in ourselves, to not come thinking we bring something to the table. Right? When I brought my kids home, uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell them You know, if you guys uh, start doing chores and maybe help around the house some, we think we'll keep you. Uh, You know, there was no expectations for the first 1,000 hours, for the first 1,000 days. No expectation that they would bring anything or add anything to our family. Rather, they were to receive and receive and receive. And this is the reality of the gospel. Uh, When we deal with God and our relationship with him, We are recipients again and again and again, and we never grow out of that. Uh, We never grow up to where God's looking for us. What will you contribute? What will you bring uh, to be right with me? And this is the difference between religion and the gospel. You see, religion says if you achieve and do enough, then you'll be accepted, you'll be loved. The gospel says that God in his love accepts you through faith in Jesus, and therefore, you can do out of joy, out of freedom. Religion says if you change things outwardly, right, you you work really hard and and you're motivated by duty and fear, uh, then you can can maybe become good. But the gospel says that God will transform you from the inside out. And, And so how do you know if you're living like a Pharisee? How do you know if you're not living like a child? Uh, You're going to find yourself in one of two places, and it's really two sides of the same coin. You, You might be like this Pharisee who is puffed up with pride, thinking, I've done these things. Here's my pedigree. Here's my resume. Here's what I've achieved. And that makes me have a good identity with God, and I can feel superior toward others. Or you might be on the other end of the spectrum, and you might be deflated and just crushed by guilt, a sense of, I I try so hard, and I I keep trying to measure up and get God's acceptance, but I'm falling short again and again and again. But again, the gospel says, receive mercy. Come with open hands and receive the, the grace and the forgiveness of Christ like a little child, uh, receiving it by faith and humble dependence on your Savior. You see, the gospel is not good advice for how we need to clean ourselves up and change our lives. It's the good news. It's the announcement about what God has done for us in Christ, that, that he offers a free gift of his kingdom through faith in him. And I think it's common for us as Christians to begin the Christian life with this understanding, okay, I know I'm a sinner, I know I need grace and mercy, and I'm coming to Christ, and we begin the Christian life that way, but it's all too easy for us, it's too easy for me uh, to fall into this mindset of I need to perform, I need to do more, I need to achieve in order to earn God's favor or to find my identity in this world. But I like how one pastor put it. Uh, He says the the gospel is not just the diving board, it's the pool, right? It's not just this this initiatory act we get into the Christian life. It is the Christian life, uh, reveling in the mercy and the grace of God's love for us like a child who can contribute nothing is what we're called to. We're called to swim in the deep end of God's mercy and grace, uh, to live like a dependent recipient every day of our life. And if, if living like that Pharisee is, leads either to pride or, or deflation, guilt, anxiety, living like a child in God's kingdom leads to joy and freedom and rest Where we're relying on our Heavenly Father who loves and accepts us because of the work of Christ, not because of our work, not because of our achievement, and living out of that freedom and that dependence. And so Jesus is saying this morning, don't grow up, all right? You need to act your age. When it comes to your relationship with God, you're, you're always like a child, needy, dependent, desperate for his mercy. And his grace, and this is the place we're to live out of. This is where we get power and motivation to actually serve him, not because we'll ever achieve or earn anything, but because we've been given an everlasting kingdom and relationship with him. Well, that's, that's moralism on one hand, religion, that, that keeps us from becoming like child, children, living like children. On the other hand, we can fall into another uh, ism and that is skepticism, and really we might just call this irreligion, and this might be the greatest temptation, right? For us, our culture isn't really into Pharisees and religious religi- re- religious religiosity; it's into really skepticism and irreligion, right? In our post-modern, post-Christian culture, the idea is that we can't really know truth. Uh, We can't really know what's true, and and you can't tell me what is true, and so we just need to follow our own path, right? This is is the gospel of our culture, all right? You turn on any Disney movie, it's going to tell you, follow your heart, follow your own path. You turn on any song, it's going to tell you, define yourself. Uh, It's not going to tell you, listen, you were created fearfully and wonderfully made. God has shown us the way in which to walk. Humbly submit to his word like a child. No, the gospel is be a grown-up. Throw off, be liberated from anything that would hinder you from following your path and your way. And, and the thing is with both moralism and skepticism, both have the same thing at the center, right? Bo- both are about my achievements, about my wisdom, about my path, my way. I is at the center, and and really pride is at the center of both, saying either I've done enough good to get right with God, or I've created my own pathway, and and look how great and creative it is. But both are uh, people living like grown-ups, of outgrowing their dependence upon a God who created them, uh, who knows them, who created them to live in humble submission and dependence. Uh, one of my favorite book series is uh, the series of Narnia. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. Uh, what, what C.S. Lewis, the author, does in that book is, is so beautiful when he, he, you know, talks about the faith and humble dependence of children. Uh, if you remember, Narnia is this, this land that Lucy, uh, the youngest of four children, finds initially by going through the wardrobe. And so again, Lewis is highlighting, who gets to go into the Narnia first? It's little Lucy, uh, the one that is still full of trust and imagination. Uh, as she goes there, uh, her faith and dependence is highlighted again and again. So by the time you get to uh, Prince Caspian, you know, Lucy's in there. It's been, th- it's been a long time since they've been into Narnia. And she starts to catch, catch glimpses of Aslan, who is the, the Christ figure, and she'll see some, you know, Aslan far off, and she'll come and tell the other kids, I saw the lion, I saw Aslan. And the other kids will say, Lucy, stop, stop being such a child. Uh, you didn't see him, you're probably just imagining things. Well, one of the saddest things that happens in Narnia, you have the four children that, that run through all seven books, but in the, in the last book, The Last Battle, uh, Susan Pavenci is not in the story. She's not in Narnia, right? And, and we're told by Aslan that Susan, she's the second oldest, is no longer a friend of Narnia. And Aslan begins to explain what's happened. And it's, he says that she's become enamored with nylons and lipstick and party invitations, uh, she's become encaptured to the cultural trends and whatever's popular and, and plotting her own path and finding her identity in that. So much so that it says she's grown up to the point where she dismisses her 15 years in Narnia as, as queen as a childish fantasy. And, and that might describe some of you this morning, uh, some of you who grew up in the church as as these little children you heard the old old story about Jesus the king who came from glory he came and he welcomed children and he gave his life that you might have faith and enter his kingdom and and as a kid you trusted him you believed that but but the culture and things around you have just brought you to this place of disbelief and skepticism uh, where this sounds like a fairy tale, where you've grown up like Susan. And Jesus would remind you this morning, uh, become like a child. If you want to enter the kingdom, remember your age. Act your age. Remember your need for God and his mercy, that he is your wise and loving father who made you. He knows the path that is good and true and beautiful more than all these other voices speaking and preaching into your life. And Jesus says, come to me again. Come to me and depend and find life. Well, there's no one in the world that depended and and exhibited this childlike dependence like our Lord Jesus did. If we think about him, right, the king of glory, born as a baby, utterly helpless, dependent, trusting in his heavenly father. And then all through his life we see this. As a 12-year-old boy in the temple, I'm about my father's business. Uh, Going about saying, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. In Gethsemane saying, not my will, but your will, father, be done, even though this is a bitter cup. And then finally, on the cross, uh, Jesus going there because of our lack of childlikeness, because of our lack of believing and following his ways, because of our sin. Jesus going to the cross, submitting to his Father, being crucified for our sins. Uh, but we know the story. We know how that ended for him. Resurrection, victory, conquering sin, in death, being seated at the right hand of the Father, in eternal joy forevermore. Uh, and I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're an unbeliever here, if you're hearing this message, and maybe you've you've been relying, you've been in one of these two ditches of of religion or irreligion, moralism or skepticism. Would you come to Jesus this morning? Uh, would you come like a child and put your faith and trust in him? And, and again, maybe you're here and you, you have trusted Christ. You've come to him at some point as a child. Uh, but in some ways, you've grown up. In some ways, you've, you've relied on your own achievement, performance, religiosity. Or maybe you're on the other path of skepticism, disbelief. Jesus invites you this morning to come afresh Uh, to come and receive his kingdom like a child, to to receive his mercy, not bringing anything to the table, but just receiving his love and his grace poured out on the cross for you. This Advent season, uh, as we think about Christ's coming, may we be those who don't hinder children from coming to Jesus, but rather be like children as we trust our heavenly Father. Uh, Let me pray for us. Father, we give you praise for your word, and we thank you, Jesus, that you came to show us uh, who would enter your kingdom. We thank you, God, that you came, and you came for the least of these, the insignificant. Lord, we thank you that you came to bring about a kingdom for those who would abandon, Trusting in themselves, relying on their own works and performance, and coming to you with open hands like little children. God, we confess in our pride, our hearts are often so prone to rely on ourselves, to make a name for ourselves, to get our worth and value from what we do, rather than from receiving your love and your free gift of mercy. God, would you help us this season to be reminded of how you sent the greatest gift of all, your son Jesus, uh, to live the perfect life that we should have lived, to die the death that we deserved, and to rise victorious as our Savior. Lord, this Christmas season, would you help us to live like little children? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.